developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today will be a very different podcast. You know, many of you who listen regularly to this podcast hear so many of our guests discuss how they utilize visualization. Some are very young, from, you know, my youngest interviewee has been seven years old, to adults, and how they use it in their life is so powerful. So today I thought I'd take the opportunity to actually speak about the power of visualization and what it is, what what visualization is, and how you get started if you don't uh, have the awareness or have a practice in visualization. Now, today's podcast is part one. Over the next several months, there will be additional topics in visualization and how to use it for things like academic success or sports or to help manage stress, anxiety, and more topics like that. I'd love for you to uh, email me and contact me about any questions you have in this area or any of the podcasts, really. And, of course, you can find that information on the show notes as far as my website and email goes. But before we get started in visualization, let me tell you a little bit about my story of how and why I got started in visualization. You know, as the founder and co-owner of Hellerstein and Brenner Vision Center, which is my optometric practice, I've uh, been a developmental optometrist for more than 45 years. My emphasis has always been in the area of visualization. So I've been blessed to have the opportunity to help thousands of people transform their lives through vision training and visualization. And the kinds of people that would come into the practice often were labeled or mislabeled with things like learning or reading disabilities, dyslexia, special needs, double vision, crossed eyes, lazy eyes, ADHD. Then we got into the specialty of brain injury and concussion, and we have found how beneficial our vision work is with this population. And again, um, we have a number of podcasts that uh, speak directly to the vision and learning, um, to vision and uh, consequences of brain injury, etc. So we've not only worked with lots of people that have real concerns and issue, uh, issues with their vision, but we've also had the opportunity to work with athletes, musicians, exceptional performers to enhance their visual skills. So after being in practice for all this time, over 45 years, I had always used visualization as part of the vision therapy practice. But my passion really shifted now from treating patients individually in my practice 
and these are the patients with more traditional vision problems, to now I'm looking at empowering people to utilize their inner vision and visualization skills. This transformation really started for me in around 2002, and that's when I had significant health issues, had major colon surgery, um, and that is a time that I, I truly lost myself. Besides the medical health issues, um, I had what now I think they call brain fog. At that time, it was like nobody understood why I couldn't think clearly, what was going on. And so part and a big part of my healing was through functional medicine and that helped heal my gut and all of my food allergies and all that stuff. But then I also had the opportunity to be part of a study looking at meditation for chronic illness. And I was part of a study with Dr. Audrey Boxwell, which has already, uh, Audrey has already been featured as a guest uh, on this podcast, who then ended up referring me to Dr. Deb Sandella, who will also be a guest, who's a psychologist. And she left traditional psych psychiatric kinds of treatment and created a program called RIM, R-I-M, which stands for Releasing Inner Memories. And this is about going deeper in the body. It's probably the most effective and inspirational work I've ever been, personal work that I've ever been involved in. In the process of working with Dr. Deb, I ended up getting certified as a RIM trainer. And this work is about utilizing visualization, which is why it resonated so much with me, because I was already doing that kind of work in my practice, but utilizing it at a much deeper level into the body, very multi-sensory approach. And so this work has totally influenced my personal healing and also what I do with my patients. So my mission now is to inspire and empower millions of people through their vision and visualization skills so that they may see and experience their world through the lens of clarity, courage, and confidence. So let's really jump into visualization. I really hope by the end of this podcast, you have a few takeaways that you can immediately put into your life, whether you're a young kid, when you're an athlete, whether you're a teacher, a senior, somebody who has medical problems, whatever. I think you'll see that many of these strategies would be helpful in any, any part of your life. So a lot of people have a lot of confusion on what is visualization. You know, I wrote a book in 2009 called See It, Say It, Do It. And when I wrote that book, I thought it was wise to at least define the term of visualization. And when I looked through all the research, the first thing that popped up was computer visualization, looking at the parts of computers and processes, and I go, whoa, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. And so let me go over a few of the tenets that I've learned on visualization and then explain what I use as a working definition for visualization. If I were to play an audio of just the ocean and you just sat there and imagine this, 
that you hear the ocean waves and you feel the sun, the warmth of the sun on your skin and the sand between your toes. You take a big breath and smell the freshness and the water. And hear the birds all around you. And just take a moment to take all of that in. And what's so interesting, and this is something you could try with your friends, your family, even your kids. It's great to do with the kids. And it's even better if you can play them a sound of the ocean. Because what happens is people will create different things. Some people feel the sun and that's they're stuck. It's just so warm. It feels so good. Some people never even notice the sun. They hear the waves. Some people may just smell the freshness, the coolness of the breeze. And some people might think, you're crazy. I don't see, feel, think anything. And so visualizations to be explored. In the 45 plus years that I've been working in this area, what I have found out is that almost anyone can visual, visualize. But I want to make sure that you realize that I'm not talking about a very specific religious or spiritual entity. I learned this the hard way. Many years ago, I had a young patient who was at a religious school. And he came in because he had a lot of learning problems, couldn't read well, couldn't spell well. And we did a vision therapy session. I told his mom I wanted to teach her how to utilize visualization for spelling. And the mom looked at me very angrily and says, I'm taking my kid out of your program. And I'm like, what, you know, what happened here? And I had no idea what I said that would offend her. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry that I offended you. Would it be okay if I just helped your child learn how to see the words in his head? So that way he could spell them accurately. And she said, oh yeah. That's fine. So, so the word visualization sometimes conjures up images or feelings or biases because she said, you are not going to teach my kid mind control. And all I want to do is teach him spelling. But again, the word, especially back 20, 30 years ago, uh, was looked at as voodoo kind of weird stuff or you know, on the fringe fringe of uh, beliefs. So, so this is not connected with any specific religious or spiritual en entity. Often, I don't even use the word visualization. I'll say imagine, and we'll get into the terminology. And with little kids, I might say pretend. So what you're going to learn here today is that our language is very, very powerful. And people have preferences into how they take information in. And so the goal is to be very multi-sensory so that you're as inclusive as possible in helping people create their imagery. And 
I do believe that almost everyone has the skills that could be enhanced. When I say almost, that means there's always somebody who can't. And we'll talk about that in just a second. So let's look at our definition of visualization. It is the ability to imagine, sense, become aware of, move, manipulate, and expand the picture in your mind's eye and the feelings or senses in your body, thereby developing new perspectives and creativity. And let me say that again. It is the ability to imagine, sense, become aware of, move, manipulate, and expand the pictures in your mind's eye and the feelings or senses in your body, thereby developing new perspectives and creativity. So typically, if I were to ask many of you, what does visualization mean to you? People talk about you know, imagery or in the third eye, the mind's eye, and they point to the upper forehead. And I believe that is a big part of it. But as you can see, I've included also the feelings and senses in your body. Some people who are the most creative people I know are totally convinced they don't visualize. They don't see pictures. And, you know, some people think that they need to see these neon lights and signs and pictures in their mind. And there are some people that happens to. But there are many people that doesn't happen to and therefore they believe that there's something wrong with them and they don't visualize and there's nothing wrong with them they often use imagery through different sensing which we'll talk about in just a minute so why is visualization so important well like it or not it's powerful whether you have positive or negative imagery for example if you're an athlete and you're competing in a uh, gymnastics routine and you're on the beam and you keep having this dream or you keep visualizing, I'm going to fall off, I'm going to fall off the beam, I'm going to fall off, I'm going to fall off. You see it and you say it. What do you think's going to happen? You fall off. So whether or not you believe in imagery, it's happening all the time. And I must say, especially through this pandemic, you know, the rates of anxiety and the impact of stress on especially the kids we see is just overwhelming. And many of these bright, bright kids are great at visualization. They can imagine every little problem that could go wrong with them. Well, if I did this, well, if I wore that, and then the kids would say this, and, you know, on and on and on. So this is the power of imagery, be it positive and negative. And one of the things that I'll talk to our kids and our patients about, hmm, what if you had the power to change the pictures in your mind or the thoughts in your head? You know, a lot of people think we have control of our lives and, you know, that's always a big joke. What we have control of is our pictures and our thoughts. And that's what we're really talking about having the power to transform and change. Now, the research over the time has been so great because of the field of neuroplasticity, the belief that the brain can learn and change at any age. And it used to be we thought, you're born with this, and what 
what you have is what you have. And now the discovery of neuroplasticity is that our thoughts can change the structure and functions of our brain, even into old age. Our thoughts and uh, our thoughts can change the structure and function of our brains, even into old age. That's a quote from Dr. Norman Doidge, who's an MD, who's written some really great books that I encourage you to look at. One is called The Brain That Changes Itself, and the other is The Brain's Way of Healing. And what Dr. Doidge does in these books uses real-life case examples of people that have had illnesses and injuries and, and issues and seen how they've been able to heal and recover. Now, true transparency, if you've had a severe stroke, you may never learn to speak the way you used to speak or walk the way you used to speak. But you're also not stuck in this disabled system that there's no progress to be made. And there's no question that when kids do treatments, learning just takes place so much faster. But it doesn't mean adults can't learn and change. A couple other quotes. This is from Dr. Emily, uh, from Emily Lyons, who uh, was a vision therapist way back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And she wrote a book, How to Use the Power of Your Visualization. And she says, visualization awakens the unsuspected dimension within yourself through contact with your outer and inner visual worlds. And that quote is so important to me because that's really what the nature of my work is now. I believe that I've been really helping people transform their vision kind of in the outer world through our vision therapy and lenses and prisms. And now been really focused in on our inner world and does what we're seeing within match with what our lives look outside of us. If you're more interested in there, there's a lot of um, research like the Bi Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton, who used to be a um, medical school professor and researcher. And he talks about that genes and DNA don't control our biology, but instead it's the DNA is controlled by signals from outside the cell, including energetic messages, and thoughts, negative and positive thoughts. So there's a lot, a lot of research now about how our thoughts, our belief systems, our environment can actually um, impact our genes. We're born with the genes that we have, but whether or not they express, we may have some abilities to really help modify change. Um, and that's, that's what excites me about the new research. So let's start into our probe on visualization. There's not really a great test that I could tell you that you could give and say, oh, visualization's at this percentile, this age level. So we'd really do probes. And these are easy things you can do with yourself, with your friends, family. And again, you'll learn so much if you're doing with your kids because they are often born with such great abilities. They don't know, they, it's just automatic. And as adults, we learn to suppress some of our gifts. So we want to find out, is imagery even present? For example, 
can it be conjured up on demand? If I said, imagine yourself uh, in the most comfortable place in the world, where would that be? What do you want to bring in with it? Can you modify? Can you change it? And as we get into that area, especially with many of our kids with learning problems, we'll want to see how do they study? You know, if I ask you if you're a good reader, good readers report that they don't see the words in their head when they read. They see the movie or the video of the story in their mind. And so good readers talk about visualization without even asking them, whereas poor readers, when I have a kiddo that says, I hate reading, it's boring. Well, words are boring. If you don't get that translation from the written language into imagery, then usually a comprehension's poor and the whole thing can be very boring. So we probe, you know, can they use it for reading spelling? We teach spelling math. And this is some of, uh, in the second part of visualization later date, we'll do a podcast that really gets into the uh, use of visualization for academics. But listen to your language and people's language, and you usually can tell how they process. Oh, I see what you mean. Very visual. I got it. Very tactual, kinesthetic. I don't have, I don't know. I just, I have this knowing. I have this sense. I have this gut feeling. So the languages of imagery, if you listen and, you know, salespeople learn this about very early in their sales career. If they can match your language of processing, if they're, you're more visual, they're going to show you pictures, they're going to show you videos. If you're more of a kinesthetic kind of a learner, here, try this and hands on. If you're more of an auditory learner, you know, let me send you a recording. So here's the languages of imagery. Picture this, see this, imagine, notice. Whereas here's some of the language of other sensory imagery. Feel, I feel like, keep in touch. I hear you, talk to you later. So can you understand, I may be saying to you a goodbye and a visual person say, see you later. And a tactile person might say, keep in touch. And an auditory person could say, hey, talk to you later. Nothing wrong, it just tells you how people process differently. All right. We're going to take a break here for just a, a couple minutes. And when we get back, we're going to really spend some time learning how to start to visualize. Um, and this will be a, a fun activity. Relax, get yourself comfortable. Uh, if you want more references, you can find that on my website, lynnhellerstein.com, and in the book, See It, Say It, Do It. But uh, we'll have a lot of fun doing this together in just a minute. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this. Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? 
Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We've been talking about visualization, the power of visualization. What is it? What it's helpful for improving in your life and enhancing your life. And for the second part of this podcast, let's just jump in and start practicing how do we visualize. So, the thing about visualization is there's no right or wrong way. Um, often people say, close your eyes. I find that helpful. It kind of shuts out all the extraneous noise and distractions. If you try to do that with kids, they open their eyes wide and stare at you. So it doesn't always work for the kids. And the key is just you offer choices. So I might start like, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do this. A lot of people find it's helpful. If you close your eyes, you can try it. But we just want to get in a place where we can really relax. Now, a lot of people, and I'm sure you've been in that experience when you're stressed and somebody says, relax. And you kind of you know, tense up and get tight. And so just saying relax usually doesn't help. So here's a couple of uh, activities that you can do um, to help getting get you into a place of relaxation. So one of the fun things you can do in a group, I encourage teachers to use this in a classroom. A lot of adults like doing it, but they say, oh, I could never do that at work. And then somebody has the courage to give them this, this activity at work. And it, it really 
um, opens up the fun and discussion. So I want you to pretend that your fate, your your favorite animal, like a dog or whatever it is, and pretend that you just ran through the hose and you got soaking wet. Okay, you ran through. Now, what does a dog normally do? They're going to shake and shake and go ahead and do that. And just shake and get all of that water off and shake your hands and shake your feet and shake your head and go ahead and twist. And some sometimes you might even lay on the floor because you often see animals lay on their back and, and try to uh, get the water dried off on their back and just shake, shake, shake. And you just take a moment doing that with kids. They're laughing and they're walking around pretending they're animals that's a great way to shake off the stress, the tightness, the tension. Okay. Another activity is doing a body relaxation. So rather than tell you how to do that, I'm going to actually take you right through it. So again, get somewhere where you're comfortable, either sitting with your feet on the floor or you could lay, lay down. And what I want you to do is, again, try closing your eyes. And now I want you to really tighten your toes and tighten them and then let them go. And tighten your legs real tight, tight, tight. And let it go. And tighten your fists as tight as it go, really, really tight. And let it go. Now really tighten your all of your arms. Your shoulders scrunched up. Your fists tight. Tight, tight. And let it go. And now tighten your whole head. Clench your teeth and your neck. And just your eyes. Tight, tight, tight. And let it go. Now let's tighten all of our body together. Ready? Tighten your feet and your legs and your back and your arms and your fists and your face and your eyelids and clench and tight, tight, shoulders up, tight, tight. And let it go. And just take a moment just to feel. Move your shoulders around, do a few shoulder circles, shake out your arms. So in a very, very short time, either with a dog shake, the body tightening and relaxing, you can often just like, whew, feels a little bit better. Often people don't know how to relax their muscles until they've tightened them. So it's like trying to get a car out of us. Those of you who live in snowy areas <laughs> know that you might want to go forward, but you might have to go backwards to move forwards. Okay, so those are two fun activities you can try. Now, when you're going to be doing visualization, one thing that's very important is that the person, whether it's you or you're doing it with somebody else, needs to be able to go to a safe place physically and mentally. The reason I say that when people are under constant stress, tension, fear, they are in the part of the brain that's not into thinking, relaxation, and creating. 
And so often they need to find a place and we call it their safe place. Where would that be? And that's the question. You don't, you know, you can try to tell them where they might go, but they need to go where they'd like to go. So for one person, they might say, oh, my safe place is in my bed, in my bedroom, my house. It's so great. I love that with my stuffies around. And another person who's lived in a very difficult situation might say, oh, are you kidding? That's the worst place for me. I want to be out in nature next to the beach watching the waves and seeing the rocks and all the animals and or in the mountains or on my lazy boy or wherever, wherever it is, as long as they feel safe, that's the place to go. And so the first part of this visualization practice is relaxation. You know, get rid of tension, tightness and go to a safe place. The second part of this process and the visualization process I've created is like three parts, relaxation, breathing, and then building awareness. So let's talk about breathing. You know, if you watch little babies when they're born, you can see their, their whole body breathes. They breathe from their belly and their whole body expands and contracts and expands. And as we get older, if you've watched somebody, especially an older person who's sick, you can barely even see their chest rise. Barely. And so a good way to practice your breathing, and many of you know your breath holders. And when we do, and this is true for any medical procedure, and I'm sure many of you have gone into a procedure, whether it's a shot, an IV, getting ready for surgery, and you're holding your breath. And people go, breathe. And what do you do? <sighs> you know, and so what we need to do is really learn to inhale and then slowly exhale. So one way of doing that is what I call belly breathing. And there's lots of different types of breathing. But if you'll put your hands right on your belly and breathe in and out. And in and out. You should be able to feel your hands on your belly when you breathe in. Your belly expands, your hands go further apart. And when you exhale, your hands go closer together and your belly goes down. I personally like counting with my breathing when there's a stressful situation. And I know that if I can take a breath in for eight counts, hold it four counts, and then out for 12 counts, I know that my anxiety is managed. But when I first start, it might be into and out too, in, you know. And so the goal is how can we slow our re, uh, breathing, and especially on the exhale. A trick, if you can't seem to find that exhalation slowness, what you can do, you know, in the old days, we had phone books. Now you just need to get some heavy books or something kind of heavy to put on your belly. And that will help you really start breathing deeper or lay on your stomach. And you'll really see how you expand your breathing. So those are two tips to try to get your breathing uh, deeper. Just a quick story about how breathing can be helpful. I went to Mexico with a friend of mine. And she wanted to try, uh, 
climb some of the beautiful um, structures there. And often, you know, they're high stepped um, rocks, no railing kinds of uh, structures. So she said, I'm really afraid of heights. I said, well, if you want, I can try to help you breathe through it. So she said, okay. So she'd take a step and I'd be in front of her and I just had her look at me. Because if you ever watch somebody starting to panic, they're looking all around, their breathing gets shallow. So I would look, breathe in, breathe out, take a step. Look, breathe in, breathe out, take a step. We got all the way to the top. And then she turned around and looked down and got, oh my God, how am I going to get down this? And just panicked and literally kind of sat down, wasn't going to move. And so I had her turn around so she could go down kind of on her belly, step by step while she looked at me, look, breathe, step. Well, she finally got down and she said, oh my gosh, my kids are not going to believe what I just did because I would never go on any of these fun ventures um, because of the heights. And so she ran in, told her kids, and um, just couldn't believe that she accomplished something that she's put off for years. And so breathing can totally change your life. But you need to practice this breathing before you get into a stressful situation. Don't be like me when I was going to have my kids. We used to do what was called Lamaze. It's called something else now for breathing. I thought, I'm a fast learner. I'll learn it when I'm having the baby. Um, It takes practice. And so you need to practice breathing in, breathing out daily before tests, before performance, before stressful relationship things, so that under real significant stress, it becomes a tool that you can really utilize. Okay. Building awareness, third part of the process. Awareness is all about observation without judgment. Just notice what's there. How does it feel? What does it look like? What's going on? So often, think of our, our kids in school trying to read out loud, everybody laughing at them. Talk about observation with judgment. We can't learn anything. We get kicked into the wrong part of our brain processing when we're stressed. And so through this process, we start talking about how to observe all of your senses inside and out without judgment, not making it wrong. Wow, I couldn't breathe eight. Yep, the observation is I couldn't breathe eight, count eight. Let me try six. Breathe again. Because we know in neurologic terms that practice makes, and a lot of people will fill in that blank with perfection, and that's not true. Practice makes permanence. Permanence from a neurologic standpoint. When we practice, um, our nerves wire together, and then they'll fire together. That's what a habit becomes when you practice. Another fun game that you can play with kids, and you can do this in the car, you can do it with anybody, is make-believe. You know, if you tell kids to visualize, they don't even know what the term means, and they think that's weird, and I don't see pictures in my head. So I changed it. I said, I'm going to play a game, a make-believe 
thinking, I'm going to pretend that I have an ape. My ape is purple. What color is your ape? Now, did you notice I didn't ask what do you see or do you see it? Because if you ask, do you see it? That's a yes, no, shut down kind of a sentence. What do you see? What color is it? I'm assuming they already see it. And they'll often say, mine's green with a hat. Well, really, does your ape have shoes? You know, when you have this conversation, you laugh. When you get into the laughter, you know you're on the right track. That's when you can really see how creative and how they're visualizing. But some people will say, I don't see an ape. This doesn't work. I go, oh, then what do you see? I see a rocket ship. Oh, a rocket ship? What does it look like? So it doesn't make any difference for what they're seeing. You're just exploring and probing what's there. That's the observation without judgment. Okay. So through all this process, from 2002, part of my healing, a big part, was working with Dr. Sandella. And through this time, in her helping me reclaim myself, reconnect to myself, connect in all realms, physical, mental, uh, emotional, and spiritual, I created a process called See It, Say It, Do It. Ta-da! Visualize, declare, and take action. It's a process that I live by, teach my patients. And to move step to step on your journey, I find that you really need all three parts of this process. We've talked about the process of visualization through relaxation, breathing, awareness. The next step is to confirm it. A lot of times you have a picture of being successful, but then in your head you're talking about, I can't do that. I don't believe in that. Or a lot of people have their dreams. They, I am a rocket scientist. I am a great reader. Yet do they take action? If you don't take hack action, nothing happens. So... When you get stuck in a project, in life, at work, look and see what your process is. If you haven't created a, a dream, a visualization, then you're often just kind of going in circles, doing the same thing over and over and over again. If you happen to be like me, where I'm a pretty good visualizer, and boy, am I, I'm an action taker, but the declaration, the say it piece, I leave out. You know, when I, my daughter asked me to walk a marathon with her, I'll do anything to spend time with my adult daughter. So I immediately said, yes. And then right away, the negative thoughts. I can't do this. I don't even know how far it is. Well, are they going to have enough, you know, potty stops? Am I going to physically be in shape? What am I going to eat? I can't. I went on and on with this negativity while... I went to the internet and got pictures of people finishing marathons. So I had this vision of the completion. I created an action plan of step-by-step step how to do my training, get in shape, get my shoes and all this. Yet I was always missing the declaration to say it. That was out of sync. And so you can imagine as I tried to uh, get in shape, I couldn't go more than three or four miles. I hated that. I tried the treadmill. I hated that. Listen to my language. I hate it. I hate it. Well, you know, 
I hate it became my declaration. Well, that's out of sync with see it, say it, do it. I'm seeing it, I'm doing it, but hate it. So one day I was walking thinking, how am I ever going to do this? I'm never going to be in shape. I'm never going to make it. And I was walking and it was a Sunday. It was kind of chilly in February. And I'm walking with all this negative thoughts. I said, I need, I know that I need to declare something positive. I go, oh, great. I'm a marathoner. You know, I say like, I'm a marathoner. I wouldn't believe myself, much less anybody else believe me. And again, the negative talk, oh, oh yeah, you're a marathoner. You're not a marathoner. I am a, mar you know, I'm having this huge conversation with myself. And it, this kept going on, driving me crazy. And then all of a sudden, and this is the weirdest thing, but I heard this voice, you are a marathoner. And I literally stopped to look around like, who just said that? There was nobody around me. There were no cars. And I realized at that moment, oh my gosh, I am a marathoner. Every day I get up, I get the kids ready for school, I go to work, I do my reports, I pick up the kids, I make dinner and put them in bed. Every day is a marathon. Who said a marathon had to be 26.2 miles? A marathon is running your best and doing your best to complete it. And I could proudly say, I am a marathoner. And after that, my whole practice regimen changed. And sure enough, 2009, I think was, I completed the marathon. And actually, chapter five of my See It, Say It, Do It book has this story. And it's so funny, for all the chapters in the books, I had so many stories, but I didn't have very many stories in the Say It section. Hmm, I wonder why. That's not my life experience. And as I wrote that, I realized that's the piece I need to work on. I visualize, I take action. Somewhere I have to be able to declare something that's true to me. You can't just make up something that's not true to you. So that it's in sync with a see it and a do it. So folks, we're going to... Uh, be closing here in just a minute. Um, I encourage you to learn more about See It, Say It, Do It, which really starts with a visualization piece and find how it can be so helpful for you, for your work, for going for interviews, for jobs, for sports, for anxiety, for learning, for academics, for empowering. And it's fun to create. So I, I truly encourage you any questions, please email me. Um, lots of resources are available. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. You know, it's time. Make a difference for yourself, your kids, and the rest of the world. And take action. And with that, thank you so much for listening today. I enjoyed sharing all the fun games with you. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.